You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I am so glad you're here. Welcome again to the Gateway Church. We are in a series here at the Gateway Church on vision and about breaking barriers in our lives. And the ultimate goal is to activate one more. I just believe it's God's design for us to break some records, right? To push through barriers and to press the limits a little bit. And it's the way God created us. It's our human nature to want to break some barriers. And so in this series, our goal is to break through some barriers as an organization, but also individually as we lay out a five-year vision strategy for us. And again, it's going to require us to break some barriers. Uh, I want to remind us that when we think about vision, we need to turn to Proverbs 29 to look at verse 18 that says this, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. How many want to be blessed, right? You with me? Okay, good. We want to be blessed, and so we want to be able to see what God is calling us to do. And this vision series is really a culmination of hundreds of hours, and it's kind of helped us to uh, come to the place where we have a vision direction. Now, at the very beginning of this, it started back in March for us with the staff and the board and some key leaders. We talked about, our facilitator talked about a vision direction and some things that are important for that. The first was that vision is for everyone. That includes you. There's no one here that's exempt from what we're talking about. Vision will also serve others. It's for every day, and it makes us better, and it should be intentional, right? That we're doing this on purpose. But the last thing our facilitator said is that vision is biblical. And I want to just take us to a couple of the verses that have been meaningful to us in this season or in this series. And the first is Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. This is our story. This is what we believe God is unfolding in our midst. Look at what it says. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtain, your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Church, we are not holding back. This is our future. We are going for it. It says, lengthen your cord, strengthen your stake, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Church, this is where God is taking us to enlarge our ability to reach more people. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses here is being talked to by the Lord at Mount Horeb. In, in verse 6, the Lord says to Moses, You have been here or you've stayed long enough at this mountain. You've stayed here long enough. Verse 7, he says, break camp and advance into the hill country. That's our call. Verse, six, or verse 8, it says, uh, see, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of it. What land are we talking about? We're talking about the lakeshore here and to the ends of the earth. It is our job to take what the Lord is giving to us. He's laying it out. 
The other verse that has popped out, and it's uh, in Isaiah 61, in the chapter that talks about the year of the Lord's favor. If you haven't read it, you need to read the whole chapter. But in verse 7, it says, Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. It says, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And then listen to this. Talking about in our church or in our land. And then it says, and you will receive or you will inherit a double portion in your land, in your church, and everlasting joy will be yours. We believe that God is calling us. He's helping us to see a double portion. And it's going to take a lot of work. And we've had a lot of work going into this vision direction. And we know it's rooted in God's word. And I want you to know that the work continues. This week alone, we had three different groups meeting. We had a small groups meeting that are getting ready to lay out the plan for the fall starting next Sunday. And we'll start in September, the mid, mid-September with our small groups. And it's going to be in- incredible. In fact, the feedback from Thursday night, Pastor Bobby, uh, you, was just amazing. Uh, small group leaders call me saying, man, uh, we are excited about what God is doing. Then our refresh team met this week and has already started making changes and and, uh, improving things and will continue to do so through the fall. We got another team that's that's, uh, being established, a Christmas team, looking towards Christmas saying, what could we do this Christmas that will help us to activate each of us to reach one more? A lot of focused attention. You say, well, why? Why are we doing all this? Well, first of all, it's our mandate. Matthew 28, 19, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? Uh, Make disciples of all nations. And that is our mandate. But it's more than that. We believe that the work that we are doing, it matters. It matters to the kingdom of God. And it'll help advance the kingdom. And we believe it's our turn. We believe that this generation, young and old, it's our time to make a difference. Plus, there's a sense that we get to do this, that we're part of something that's bigger than any one of us on our own. And so I want to back up and talk about the progression that we've had uh, this month already, and then we'll talk about where we're going today. The first week when we started talking about this, we mentioned a Uh, an attendance barrier that we have been bouncing around that we haven't been able to break through. And we have this sense that it's our time to bust through this attendance barrier. It's not about the numbers. It's not about a specific um, number. It's about the people that are represented by those numbers. And we're going to talk more about that today. But we understand that people need the Lord. Amen? Am I talking to the right people? Yes, thank you. You're you're live. And we identified a couple barriers along the way that we have to address. Number one, and this is tough, that there is a lack of evangelistic passion. And then the second was a lack of involvement. And we talked about the signs that would kind of point to maybe those obstacles or those barriers being evident in your life. And we're going to kind of show how those fit into the spiritual growth slide a little bit later. That first week, we also talked about initiatives that we are committed to as an organization, as a church. And uh, there's this sense of urgency that we have to reach one more. The mandate's clear. Now, the disciples, they understood that. They followed uh, and and, uh, fulfilled the mandate to reach one more. 
Paul, the Apostle Paul, he followed it, and we must do it as well. We are the Acts 29 generation. You know, you say there's no Acts 29 in the Bible. Well, exactly. We need to continue. It's our responsibility to make it happen. Now let's look at that uh, growth cycle. We, we look at this and we talk about the progress that we want a believer or a potential believer to go through. It starts in that upper right-hand corner where someone is looking for something. And then they have this barrier. They need Jesus and they, and they have to break through that barrier and receive Christ. Once they're an infant disciple, they have another barrier. If a new disciple does not connect with others, the likelihood of them uh, getting disconnected or falling off the train, so to speak, is probable. So you've got to bust through that barrier. And then there's another barrier for a maturing disciple. They've got to look outside of themselves. They cannot become inward focused. Otherwise, they are in trouble. There are barriers along the way. And we've got to be committed to that reaching one more, to become activated. We're going to talk about that, where each one is discipling one at a time. And when that happens, and as we grow and we add to the kingdom of God, we understand, we talked about this last week, that we are going to look different. It's not going to be church as normal. In fact, we believe that when we look at this, go ahead and put that um, pattern up again, that we're going to see a better balance of unbelievers, those looking for something, infant disciples, maturing disciples, and total surrendered disciples. And you say, well, what's that going to look like? It's going to look messy. In fact, we believe that the hardest work is ahead of us. And I love the, the book called Grit. I'm just getting my mind around it. Angela Duckworth, um, she wrote this, and it's, stu- it's the study of passion and perseverance. And it's going to take some passion and some perseverance. It's going to take some grit to get to the place where there's a better balance. Now, part of that journey, as we identified last week, was to that we've got to break some barriers of the past. It's time to move on. And so the Lord is helping some of you to do that, to move past the hurts and the pains and the failures. And it, I believe it's time to believe for greater things, for bigger things, for increase and in promotion and for supernatural favor. And I believe the promise is for you and for your grandkids, or for your kids, your grandkids, and future generations. They will bust through and race past the things that you're dealing with now, the barriers in your life that you have to deal with, they will be able to race right through those because you did the hard work and the messy work of understanding that. But you say, well, how does this all work? And we're going to continue our cycle today, and we're going to go to that last area of total surrender. And we believe that this is what God is calling all of us to that we need to be activated to reach one more. But you say, well, what does that mean? What does it look like uh, to be total surrender? Well, we collaborated as a staff this week, and we all kind of submitted some things. Bruce, I didn't include you. Sorry, man. But um, he would have something to say, I'm sure. But this is some of the things that came to our mind. A total surrender person, what would it look like? It would look like a rich, regular time in the presence of God daily. Or knowing the voice of the Spirit and obeying His direction again daily. That's what total surrender would look like. 
or asking things like this, how can I help? And not just asking people that you know or believers or within the church, but including lost people, people that are looking for something. How could you help in that situation? You've taken ownership of your friends' and family's spiritual lives. That's a picture of a total surrendered person. Or you regularly and intentionally invest in new and non-believers. Or you serve others when it's not convenient, but it's a joy. That's total surrender. Or regularly interacts with unbelievers for the intent of evangelizing. That's that evangelistic passion piece. But then it boils down to this, that you've realized you come to the place where you understand that church is more than just about you. That's what total surrender looks like. That's what we're calling you to. We're calling it out of you. Well, what would keep a believer from getting to that place? Well, it's an inward focus. And we talk about that. That can derail you on your journey. That evangelistic passion that we've talked about, that, that all-in mentality of involvement as well. There, we also collaborated around this. We got a little bit of a list here. But an inward focus, what would that look like? It's a little easier to say uh, to, or to identify. Where you are the type of person that asks, what can I get out of this? Right? Or you choose your friends based on what you get from the friendship instead of what you can give to the friendship. That would be an inward focus. Or no one in your life has the authority to challenge you. That would be an inward focus. Or that you are not investing in others. Or you have no goals for growth that are set or are being pursued. Or you look for excuses not to be all in. So good examples. You're never moved past your uh, hurts. Or you don't think you're good enough. Or you think someone else would be better at what God's calling you to do. Or you think, oh, they won't like you. Or you say, I won't like them. And so you never get involved. Again, an inward focus. One more, and then 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 the final one. You have never shared your personal story of faith with someone that you interact with on a regular basis. Ouch. And an inward focus is typical that you think that church is about you. I'm just saying. Inward focus. And you say, man, you know, what would tip the scale? You know, if you identify yourself in this area and you're saying, man, I may be inward focused. Um, what would be the motivation to move beyond that? Uh, what would be uh, the thing that would move me towards total surrender? And I'm glad you're asking because the enemy would fight against this. He does not want you to move to total surrender. But there's one question that has rung in my mind. It's activated me and it's activating me and our staff and our board, and the team that's been working on behind the scenes on this. And that question is this, who is your one? To identify my one in my life, it has wrecked me. The one person in my life, and what I'm talking about is the the one person that grieves me the most to think that they would not spend an eternity in heaven with me. And I want to just know, I want you to know that when I think about this, that there would be someone in my life close to me that's not going to spend an eternity with me. And when I really think about that, 
it changes me and it helps me to live a more total surrender life. Because without answering that question, if we don't answer that, who is your one, uh, the danger is that you'll stay in this state of maturing disciple, which feels pretty good sometimes. You're attending services. You're giving of your tithes. You're doing your devotions. You're listening to Christian radio. You've got all your Christian friends, and you think you're doing everything right. But the reality is that you're inward focused. And this is a serious, serious problem. In fact, I was writing this out, and what came to mind is that you become spiritually fat and lazy. And I tried to think of a better way to say it that was a little easier, and I can't really think of it. When you just take, 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 and it's all about you, and you're growing, 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 and you never reach out, you're totally inward focused, you are not in a healthy situation. Just a quick question, quick survey. How many remember the old Amy Grant song from the 80s? Uh, you're, he, he's just a fat, fat little baby. Anybody remember that? All right, about the same as first service, about three of you, okay. It's a song about this immature believer, wants his bottle and he doesn't mean maybe, a simple solid foods once or twice, right? I'm not, re- I'm not hitting with anybody, I understand. And, uh, but it's not healthy. When you become just a consumer and you just take, 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 you are not in a healthy situation. It reminds me of the frog that I had 21 years ago. 21 years ago, I had this aqua frog. I thought it was my frog for life. The frog had grown to be about the size of my fist. It was in a nice aquarium, and I loved to watch this frog. It would swim, and it, it was fun to see because it would, it would eat minnows. You'd put one or two in for the week, and it would eat it, and it would put it in his mouth, and then it would, like, shovel it in. It was really awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I thought I'd have this frog forever until I got married. And I believe that there's a little conspiracy. I can't get Jessica to uh, ad- admit this or my parents to admit this, but my parents were taking care of my frog while we were on our honeymoon in the Bahamas. And uh, I said, Dad, uh, you don't have to feed it the entire week. I fed it right before we were married, right? So I, I made sure and it only needs to eat once or once a week or even once every couple weeks. Well, my dad, while I was gone, thought it would be fun to feed my frog. And the frog doesn't know when to stop. And that's why you got to limit what it can eat. And he went out and dug a hole in the ground, got a bunch of worms, and my frog ate all the worms within minutes. There was no fight. He just ate and ate and ate. And he grew and he grew and he grew. And then he slimed all over and my frog died. And I still think it might be Jessica's fault. That's what I'm just saying. But spiritually, if you just eat and eat and eat, you come and learn and learn and you do your devotions and you got Christian music on, you're around your Christian friends and you never are outward focused, you're going to grow and grow and grow and slime and be no good for anybody. I'm just saying. So the goal... <laughs> is to move to a place of total surrender, where you've been activated, where the blessing comes, you're, you pour out when God pours in. 
and you get closer to Jesus in the process. And we were thinking about this, and we were asking the Lord for a story uh, from within our church, saying, saying, who models this? Not, now, nobody models this all the time perfect. We understand that. But there was a family that kind of rose to the top in our minds, and they were, they were willing to share their story. And it's a great story. There's so many pieces to this. Um, we, we interviewed for about a half an hour. We've, we kind of shrunk it down. But it's the story of the Bogard family. And without further ado, let's look at their testimony about being totally surrendered. Hi, Gateway Church. My name is Nate Bogard, and this is my wife, Sarah. And we have been married for just over 19 years. We've had a wonderful journey so far and hope to continue on in times to come. You know, when we first got married, we um, our life was not supposed to look like this, not in our minds. We had, you know, goals and dreams and plans, and um, but we've lo- we learned along the way that God's plan is always different than what we have planned and in the long run better than what we have planned. Um, we, you know, I got a teaching degree and went and I thought I'll teach for, have kids and then go back to teaching and all this. And we had our two children and we were good, except the Lord kept asking us to do more. And he would open a door and most of the time we would go, no. And then we'd pray about it and then he'd say, oh yes. Um, One day he said to me, I've always wanted to do foster care. And I thought, what? (laughs) At that point, I think we had been together 11 years and I never knew that. And so we pursued that, and um, it didn't look anything like what we thought it would. And it was really, really hard. And um, we brought really broken, hurting children into our home, and it affected all of us. And you, you open your house to these kids 24-7, and, and it's trauma, and it's um, so abuse. We brought in lots of foster kids, and. One day they said, hey, are you guys interested in adopting these two? And we said, no, we're not adopting any kids. And then the Lord said, those are your sons. And this is Josh and Ryan, what do you think? You know, and if they would have said no, it would have been no. But we recently just watched the movie, Do You Believe? And by watching that movie, in the middle of it, there's a guy that gives up his apartment to this homeless woman and child. And so I asked him. Would you give up your bed for some random stranger? And the immediate answer was yes. And then they're like, well, what? I don't have to. And then they start giving all the excuses of, well, this or that. I'd still have a room. Or, But I said, do you realize you already have? Because you've already given up. Because you used to have your own room. You used to have that. And now you've given up to where you guys share a room. And they've just gotten used to it, and it's just regular life that way. It's just as these opportunities come and we pray, the Lord's like, here's your next step, here's your next step. So, okay, does it? what does it cost? It costs me time, costs me maybe some gas money, it costs me commitment, you know, leading leading um, connect groups in our, in our church or even just attending them. That's huge. To be connected to the community could never ever do what we do without having the support of other believers around us and like lifting us up when we're struggling and prayer support it costs us something but shouldn't it cost us something to make a difference in somebody's life i don't know i i feel like it should always cost us something 
cost Jesus everything. And there are times when you're just like, God, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. And, and the Lord just so gently speaks to my heart. I'm never going to ask you to do anything that's easy. It always requires sacrifice. Because that's when we rely on Him. so many parts of the Bogard story that do inspire me, and uh, thank you for sharing that. And the thing that you've got to understand is they, they understand that it's not easy being living in this way, reaching one more, and this idea of uh, that God, when he calls you to something, that it takes sacrifice. And uh, I want to continue to talk about that. There's, there's blessing, yes, that comes when you serve. When you pour out, you get a blessing back. God pours back into you. Um, this week, I was with a, a group of pastors in uh, Detroit. And one of the things at this church where I was visiting, uh, above their drinking fountain, it said, saved people serve people. I thought, man, that's perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. That we, as believers, if we truly have Christ in us, we should be serving. We should be giving back. And when we do that, God pours back into us. The reality is that the church cannot be built on the talent of a few, but instead on the sacrifice of many. It takes all of us doing what we can do to make the difference. And again, the Bogers, I think, are a great example. And along our story, we talk about our vision for the Gateway Church. It's not so much about the Gateway Church story that's important. It's about your story. Your story is this, that Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's created in advance for us to do. There's a plan for you to be walking out, and I believe that deeply for every single one of us. Now, a little later in that same chapter in Ephesians 2, I want to read some of the, these verses that talk about us creating uh, a place for us to be. It, go, it goes like this in Ephesians 2, 19. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You no longer are wandering exiles. He's talking to the church in Ephesus and uh, to the Jewish people. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. I love that. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you belong here. And I believe that. With as much right to the name of Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now, that's today, I believe, he's using you. He's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. I love that version in the message, how it kind of describes what God is trying to do that God is building a home, and that you're, you are a part of that, the big church. That God is building a home, and when I think of home, I think of family, and I think of having fun, and I think of joy, and I think of refuge, and a strength that comes from a home. How many know there's a difference between a house and having a home? 
right? You can have a house, a building, or you could have a church, a building, but not have a home. And what we're after is we want to create a home, a kingdom of faith. And I believe that that's what God is doing here at the Gateway Church. God is building this. God is working here to build a home. Now, I've got a question for you. What makes a place feel like home? What is it that makes a place like this feel like home? Hmm. Well, for me, at home, I have to take the vacuum and clean. (laughs) I have to mow the grass at my house. Or I've got to get my hands in the dishes and do the dishes. That's what it feels like to be at home. At a restaurant, you leave a tip, right? You don't leave a tip at home. Home is a sense of belonging in a sense of, hey, I'm a part of what's happening here. And hopefully that's the case in your home that everyone pitches in. And so my prayer is, Lord, help us build a home here. And Lord, activate us along the way to reach one more. Amen? Amen. So I started the series a few weeks ago, and I kind of shared kind of just a, a piece that I was struggling with that, I was, you know, there's a low level of fear saying, man, sharing vision and sharing a five-year picture, what that's going to look like, that there was some fear inside of me. And I just acknowledge that because I were putting God on the line and, and those types of things. But this week, as I was meditating on, on the message and asking the Lord just to help me through uh, this time, I had a home alone experience. How many remember the movie at Christmas that came out years and years ago, Home Alone? Hopefully this reference better than the Amy Grant one, right? Um, where Kevin, he comes to the point where he's like, uh, he gets all this uh, courage and he screams out, I'm not afraid anymore! Remember that? And, and then he puts all this elaborate plan into place and all that. Well, I had that moment this week. Where I'm like, I'm not afraid anymore. We've shared the vision. God has got this. God is the one that's building this. And instead of fear, what really happened for me is I, as I sense, I'm like, man, my breath is taken away when I think about what God wants to do here at the church. My breath is taken away. The God, his heart is so big that he wants to do something so grand and he wants to use each of us my mind is blown. And so I want to come back to this place of total surrender. And I want to bring us all on board. You say, why total surrender? Well, the reason we should be totally surrendered is because there are tens of thousands of people on the lakeshore that are lost. And unless they're reached, they're going to spend an eternity apart from Jesus. That's why we've got to be totally surrendered. But when we say tens of thousands of people here on the lakeshore, and that certainly is not an exaggeration, it would be easy to dismiss and say, well, I mean, that's too big. I can't help with that. Or that's someone else's job. Or that's easy. it's easy to stay on the sidelines instead of getting all in. So let's make it personal this morning. Who is the one in your life. Just one that God would be calling you to bring redemption 
and that your story would change their story. That you would make the difference in just one. Not tens of thousands, just one. I'm going to ask Pastor Bruce and Rachel to pass something out. When you get this in your hand, you can look at it, but I don't want you to do anything with it. Everyone needs one of these. It brings us back to the point where we're asking ourselves, who is the one person in my life or in your life that it grieves you, it moves you to tears when you think about the reality that they would not spend an eternity in heaven if they don't get their life right with the Lord, if they don't surrender their lives to Jesus. Who is it? See, I've been through this exercise a couple different times. The very first time was back in May of 2016. It was just me and the board at the church. And I remember thinking about the question. It was up on the board. It said, who is your one? And I'm thinking, my one. And I just think, I'll acknowledge to you right up front, I had a hard time thinking of the one person that it really grieved me that if this person didn't make it to heaven, that I, I just couldn't, I wouldn't almost want to go even myself. And it took me some time to get there. And it may take you some time to think of the one in your life. But we kind of got around and we started asking. And I remember Bob Boss, one of our board members, talking about his son. And saying, my son is educated, sharp mind. He's almost my age, if I remember Bob. Grew up in the church. And for some reason, the relationship hasn't connected with Jesus in his adult life. And it, I watch it as Bob talked about that. Saying, man, I can't imagine eternity. And then the Lord was speaking to me about one of my neighbors that I've got a really good relationship with. I, I started to share about him and his life and the divorce that he's had and how God, I, I believe that God put him on my heart. He's my one. We did this a second time with the staff and the board again and then we, uh, uh, we added a, a few friends from the church that were a part of this. And I got the results because we wrote it up on the board and we took a picture of it. And there was Nate, a brother-in-law, who's smart, 37 years old, married with four kids. He's into logistics, he's successful, but he was an atheist. He actually goes to church. His sister was a believer. But church has good principles and community, but no relationship with Jesus. And that was one of the persons one. And then there was Trinity, age 38, lives in Arizona. And then there was Jennifer, age 30, married. It was this person's daughter. Works for the county, had a bad experience with church. Believes there is a God, but no relationship. And then there was Patrick. 19-year-old grandson, single, upside down in his household. He was baptized at six, but no faith 
But his faith never became real. And then there was Kenny and McKenna, and the list goes on and on, and Phil and uh, Jennifer and Trinity and McKenna and Joe, and the list went on and on. And then just this week, in my office, we're talking about how we wanted to close a service and have a little meeting. And I watched again as the lady across the table, I won't tell you who it was, <laughs> she was broken, tears in her eyes, as she described who her one was, thinking about her one. And I'll tell you, when I think about the person in my life that it grieves me most to not go into heaven with, it wrecks me. What we want to do this morning is we want to create a similar feel. I know we're in a big group here. But we're, I'm going to ask Pastor Bobby here to, to lead us in the song that we sang, the second song. It talks about the Spirit pouring out, and that's what we're going to need to be able to reach one more. But what I want you to do is when you're ready, when the Lord has put that one person in your life, I'm going to ask that you'd bring your little card to the altar, grab one of these Sharpie markers, and I want you to write the name, first name only, or it could be you know, of the person, your husband or your wife or your children, whatever. And you, I want you to write their name. And then I want you to leave their name at the altar and return to your seats. And then we're going to kind of tie all this together um, here. And so, Pastor Bobby, why don't you lead us? And when you're ready, I want you to come and identify who's the one person in your life. Praise the Lord. In that same meeting where this lady is just tearing up across my table, we talked about how did we want to end this message in particular. I'm like, well, we want to share the vision, right? And we talk about our vision is to become a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and our world. And that's important to us. That's kind of the, the big picture. But then we kind of pause. And we're saying, no, our vision is for David, for an ex husband, for a grandpa. Our vision is for Jennifer, or for Robin, or for Andrew, for a wife here, for Donna. And it goes on and on. That's what we're called to do, to reach one more. And my heart for us is that this would capture our heart. And I believe that God is doing something in our midst that's very unique. A couple years ago, we talked about, or one of the missionaries that we had in, prophesied over our church. And some of you were here when that happened. And he described the Gateway Church as a powder keg of potential. Some of you remember when, when that happened. I was reminded of this this morning from a friend that knew we were doing this series, and he said, hey, hit it hard. And, and he says, don't forget what that missionary prophesied over your church a couple years ago 
that you're a powder keg waiting to explode, is what he said. And then he writes in a text, he says, strike the match and bring the heat. I was like, all right, yeah. But I appreciate that. And that's what we want to do. We want to light a match and see the one in our lives come to know Jesus. There's no greater joy then know those that are with you, those that are close to you, are walking in the truth. Am I right? And some of you, it's a father here, a son. And God knows these names, and he's calling us to make a difference. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I need to be activated. I've got to be activated to reach one more. I want you just to stand right where you are. And what I want you to do is when you stand, I want you just to lift your hands in a place of total surrender, just all across the place. You say, man, I want to be there. I want to be in a place of total surrender. And I want you to just lift your hands towards the Lord as a sign of surrender, saying, God, you can use me to reach one more. Help us, God, not to be inward focused, to be so consumed with ourselves or the nice things about being a Christian and never to reach out, never to share our faith, never to care about our neighbors. God, I, we surrender to your will. Lord, I pray that you would, we, as we strike a match and we activate this group of probably 70 or 80 that are here, God, I pray that you would do an incredible work here. Motivate us. Help us, God, to reach Nate and Patrick and McKenna and Jennifer, and Trinity, and Phil, and Sarah, and Gabriella, and Lisa, and Joy, and the list goes on and on. Zach, the best friend. God, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I want to pause here just for a moment before we... Uh, let it let you go. We want to cast the nets because I don't know everyone here. And maybe today is the day of salvation for you. The day that you recognize that, man, I need Jesus. <laughs> if you're recognizing your need for Jesus today, and if you were to die today and you say, man, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or if I'd go to hell, let me just explain real quick how this works. The Word of God describes that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means one mistake will keep us from an eternity with Jesus in heaven. Say, how in the world do you fix that? Well, you fix it by accepting Jesus into your heart. And when Jesus comes in, what he does, he covers your sin. So when God looks at you, it's as if you've never sinned. Isn't that amazing what God does? And this morning, he wants to do that. He wants to cover your sins. And if you're here and you're saying, man, that's me. I need that forgiveness. I need salvation. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But who's second service? Yeah, thank you. Who else? Say, man, I need that for type of forgiveness. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else? Got a couple young men here saying, man, I'm ready. I need to surrender my life. Anyone else? Just give you the opportunity. I'm going to pray a miracle prayer. 
It's not the words of this prayer that are all that meaningful. Uh, it's believing what we're about to say that makes the difference. If you're here today and you pray this and you mean it in your heart, you can know for certain that Jesus has saved you. and You can walk out of here confident. And so let's just pray this together. Would everyone pray this with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, for the sin that's in my life. But I believe in you, that you can save me. And so I'm asking you right now to come into my heart, take away my sin, and make me clean. I pray this for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the one, right, that it comes to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I want to kind of close with this idea. I wasn't planning on doing it. Did it first service just because I felt, and I want to do it again. But I'm Pastor Bobby, just, I want you to just um, pause here for a moment. I want us just to sit here and think about the person that you wrote and think about the one that's in your life. And I want you to just ask the Lord in your own way, in the quiet, and it might seem uncomfortable, and that's okay. It's kind of on purpose. And just ask God to help you to reach the person that you wrote out. God, in the silence, I pray that the weight of our friend, our co-worker, our family member, the weight of their lostness, I pray that it would, it would help us, Lord, to move to a place of total surrender. That you would activate us, God, and help us to reach them. Help us live the fact that it's not okay that our brother or sister, our spouse, our friend, our coworker, our neighbor is not going to make it to heaven unless someone reaches them. Lord, I pray that the vision that we're casting of a better balance of unbelievers to new believers, maturing and total surrender believers, I pray that that would become a reality as we care about those in our life that are far away from you. And Lord, I'm praying that it starts right here inside of me. No excuses. Help me to think of the lost. Help me to think of uh, my friends, my neighbors, the guys that, that I play basketball with. Help my heart to break for them and let it be a trickle effect and that we would be able to see you do a miracle in the lives of those that we love. Lord, I pray this and now I pray that as we leave here that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. 
Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.